Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. You have to listen to somebody's life. They're looking to synchronize. The secret of Chinese medicine is whatever medical condition somebody has, their body is expressing that something is out of sync somewhere. Whether they wanted to be on a bar, but they're CEO of a company. I've had those situations where they've wanted to express their soul one way and they're doing something different. So my work is to listen to them and help guide them um, back to the place of synchronization. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Jeff, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Srini. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I was introduced to you by way of our mutual friend, Joseph Logan, who has been a study referral source for some very, very interesting and uh, fascinating people. And when he mentioned your name to me and what you did, I was immediately intrigued. But before we get into your work, uh, given that you just told me before we hit record here that you had uh, three brothers, I was going to start by asking you, what birth order were you and what impact did your birth order end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Wow, that's an interesting question to start out with. Um, depends on how you want uh, me to answer that question. I was the third of the planned children. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I had a younger brother, six years um, younger. Um, basically, I think as a third child, you really have to work very hard in your position in the, in the family. But not only that, but you'll you'll take whatever you you get, right? If you have two older brothers, and you know everybody's eating, you just take whatever you get. Mm-hmm. So you make the best, I in my situation, out of whatever is left on the table. I'll call it <clears throat> in any situation in life. So I think it makes you very resilient. Mm-hmm. If you ask the question, yeah. Um- you know, you developed resilience as a kid. It sounded like, and I am. What do you? What advice would you give to parents uh, about developing resilience in their kids, having been in the position, especially if their kids are not necessarily, you know, one of three, or one of four? Okay, um, you're jumping right into it, aren't you, Serini? Okay, <laughs> um, you don't take you, you don't pull any punches, do you? You go not right really. for. Okay. <clears throat> Um, Let me give you a little bit more of my background so you understand where the resilience came from. Yeah. Uh, My father worked for IBM, which in those days stood for I've Been Moved. Uh So I don't know if you ever heard that old joke, but we moved a lot as as children. So I was put in many, many uh, different situations um, that caused you, that caused me to be resilient. Okay. So if anything, if you're asking that question, I think parents um, need to put their children into situations which cause them to have to think and to be, um, how can I put it, 
um, the leader. I'll give you a perfect example. My daughter and I one time, my older daughter, Tess, and I went to uh, New York City one time, and I pretended like I didn't know the subway system at all. And she, she said, Dad, what's wrong with you? And she took me all around New York City. And at the end of the day, I said, Dora, you know what? I would have done one thing differently, and I told her how I would have done it differently. Um, and she just looked at me and said, Dad. So as a parent, you want to put your children in situations that they can handle so that then they learn pride, how to do things, how to think for themselves. And again, well, where you always have their back. So I think that's, you know, one thing to do. But then again, Serena, you have to look at the child. You have to look at the person. It's what I do in the practice that I do is I you have to listen to them and who they are as a person and what they can handle. So it's a you know, it's not that simple of a question to answer, but you have to understand the person that you're dealing with, the child, what they're capable of, how to support that capability push them a little bit further, but have their back so that you can move them forward. Mm. You mentioned that you moved a lot. And I'm wondering, one, what were the ages that you moved at? And two, what impact did all those moves have on your social relationships with people? Um, I think I, I understand that I moved my first move when I was six weeks old. Um, one house we, I heard, you know, then we moved multiple times. I think it was 13 times before I was 15. Um, what it did for me and my social, as we got a little bit older, the biggest move I'll say is when we moved to Great Britain, um, when I was 15. And, um, for me, I was a musician. So I had an out. I had a way to A, be by myself so I could be less social, but at the same time, B, be in an orchestra where I'd be more social. Um, so it's not something that I can share with anybody else on, on a process, um, giving anybody advice, but that's simply what happened to me. I w- it was beautiful because, you know, playing music, orchestral music, you're putting your soul on the line. And other people around you are doing the same thing. And being a double bass player, the double bass family, I like to call it, um, we all mind each other's back, support each other, and have a real special relationship. So for me, the instrument was both social and developing you know, um, my own life. Huh. What did uh, playing an instrument teach you about performance, practice, and achievement? everything Serene is about finding that effortlessness inside of yourself. If you look at any great performer, um, there's a, the theme of everything that I do is based upon finding where somebody is out of sync or finding where somebody's effortless. Let me give you a, a perfect example. Um, I played in on Broadway in Les Miserables in New York city and what's fascinating um, is you've got 35 musicians, depending on the, you know, 50 musicians, and they're all playing together, right? But many, every night, there's somebody new. There's some sub in there, whatever, and who's never played before. And it starts with three and a half silent beats. So the idea simply is, is that there's effortlessness 
And that's in the highest level of performing. There's synchronization that happens in the highest level performing at every moment. So think about 35 musicians. Three, five people are new. They've never played together before. Three and a half beats of silence. And then that first note happens. One person's blowing on a trombone, another one's playing a note on a, on a keyboard, another one's pulling a string on a violin. And if you're a hundredth of a second fast or a hundredth of a second slow, you sound like an idiot and you're not brought back. So, there's, so that um, high level of achievement and performance is absolutely, um, how do I put it, expressed in music at every second. Hmm. Yeah, well, having been a musician in high school, I, I can relate uh, to that entire experience. Cool. So, you, so you get it. It's yeah, and it, and then you transcend to another place of you know making people cry and making people laugh and making people feel things with a, a group of you. And some people are you know blowing on a piece of metal. Some people are drawing a you know, horsehair across a piece of metal with some wood around it. And some people are playing this thing that's electronic, but all their brains are, are connected in, in a really special way. And, you know, usually in performing arts, also their hearts. Mm -hmm. Do you still play? I'm thinking about it. (laughs) I, uh, I keep getting offers. Yeah. That's all I can say. Okay. You know? Yeah. So how did you get to the point of doing the work that you do today? And, and what, it, what is the work that you do today with organizations and individuals? Um, how did I get there? Yeah. I'll give you the yeah. – so um, I told you that I went to England and um, within a few months – I was 15 years old. Within a few months, I was uh, made principal of the Hampshire County Youth Orchestra <laughs> And then, you know, music is what I had when I left the United States. Music is what I had when I went back to the United States a couple of years later. And I got a scholarship into the Juilliard School in New York, Juilliard Pre-College. I was still in high school. Um, but I wanted to get back to England. So I um, went to the Royal Academy of Music and I also got my uh, diploma from the Royal College of Music. Then I was lucky to meet the greatest player in the world, if you look in the history books, um, Bruno Walter, great conductor, Leopold Stokowski. And this is leading to where I am now to work with the organizations and the individuals. Okay, so I ended up working with the chairman of the board of directors of the London Symphony Orchestra for three years. Um, And basically, by the end of the third year, we went old traditional schooling where I had lessons every day. And at the end of the third year, I became the principal of the orchestra and he became my assistant. So I had the greatest player in the world sitting next to me as, as my assistant. And what I learned from him um, good, good example. My first lesson with him, and I've heard people swear before on your show, so it's okay for me to quote somebody. <laughs> I played, you know, principal of many orchestras, led, did all these things as a double bass player. And the first words out of his mouth, I played to him an incredible um, piece by a double bass virtuoso uh, named uh, Serge Kusevitsky, who was the conductor of the Boston Symphony and a double bass player. As soon as I played, he, the first words out of his mouth were, you can't play a fucking note, can you? And at that point, 
I had knew that I met the master because I knew I couldn't play a note and he knew I couldn't play a note. Everybody else thought that I knew what I was doing. But he said, don't worry, I will teach you what to practice, how to practice, and a practice routine. So again, I spent the next three years with him and um, going from student to um, you know colleague to one day he said to me, you have too much talent to be a fucking bass player. He said, be a doctor. So <clears throat> his best friend was Leopold Stokowski. Are you familiar with who Stokowski I'm not. was? Leopold Stokowski in 1939 went to Walt Disney and said, we're going to do this thing with music and video and we're going to call it Fantasia. Okay. Um, Stokowski, I think he married Gloria Vanderbilt. I think he was 58 and she was 19. He was very much into energy. He was very much into Chinese medicine. He was very forward thinking. And, you know, if you think of Fantasia, the music and then, you know, dancing hippopotamuses and, and whatever, um, he was so far ahead of people. He loved energy. He loved, he could make the Philadelphia Orchestra sound out of any orchestra he conducted. If you look back, he conducted without a baton. He conducted with his hands. So he loved Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And so I just said, ooh, that sounds interesting to me. And for me, I was able to then follow up how to really impact people. I was no longer impacting people from the stage. I could actually help to improve the, their lives with energy. Mm-hmm. So I used Les Mis on Broadway to pay for me to go to Chinese medicine school. So I studied acupuncture um, and, you know, being board certified licensed. Um, but that was still was enough education. Music wasn't enough education. Acupuncture wasn't enough education. So I, I went to China in 1990 and I continued on to understand the qualities of, of the energy itself. So, um, long story short, we met great master in China who pointed me out in in a crowd, said, you're the master. And what I find is the master is just somebody who works harder than anybody else. The master is the one who listens deeper and, and, and really gets an opportunity to, you know, take their soul, put it on the line to help others. That's, you know, so I studied, you know, so I studied the, uh, Chinese medicine. Then I, that wasn't enough education. So I had to continue and I wanted to understand who lived the longest. And I, I saw that in a lot of the Taoist masters. So just like what I had done in music, I sat at the feet of a Taoist master. And we would do our Tai Chi and Qigong and all those, you know, all those arts in uh, Chinatown in New York. So in China, back in China, they let me actually heal patients without um, touching the patient or using needles. It was called medical qigong in this country, but it was called fagong in uh, China. So um, they laughed at me. They said American. And then they tested me and then they allowed me to teach or not to teach, but to actually treat doctors in the hospitals uh, in China. And that's back in 1990. So again, I didn't have, I still didn't have enough education, I felt. Um, and so my Taoist Tai Chi teacher said that Shaolin Kung Fu uh, was no good. So I went to study that for the last 17 years. So, um, so my path of, of these things 
or to find out what I'm doing now, which is you have to listen to somebody's life. They're looking to synchronize. The secret of Chinese medicine is whatever medical condition somebody has, their body is expressing that something is out of sync somewhere, whether they want it to be on a bar but they're CEO of a company. I've had those situations where they've wanted to express their soul one way and they're doing something different. So my work is to listen to them and help guide them um, back to the place of synchronization. So what was interesting is that if you look at the essence of music in everybody performing exactly at the same split second, that that's part of synchronization. In Chinese medicine, any expression of back problems, knee problems, um, Parkinson's disease, cancer, you name it, you can break it down um, into the fact that the body is looking to synchronize. I'll give you a funny example. Um, in this path, um, I got to work with Dr. Oz in the OR. His, um, his staff, this is around 2000, 2002, um, they, somebody brought me into the hospital to see if we could prove that energy works. I always wanted to test it scientifically, so we got an opportunity to put the sensors on the brain, you know, um, EEGs, and they were laughing because they knew nothing would happen. And within a split second, we had the brain go from alpha into theta, and we did it six times. And there were a group of people there who were there to shut me down and said, do you know how many rules you broke? Do you know how do you – how you got in here. You broke so many rules to get in here. Da, 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 da. So let's just give it a try. Then they saw the results. And uh, that was Dr. Oz's staff. And uh, one thing led to another. They became friends and patients. And then I got to work with Dr. Oz in the OR um, healing patients. This is many years ago when he was doing um, open heart surgery. And then one day a reporter came in and um, long story short, we went to after we'd seen the first um, surgery, we went and were watching a heart transplant. And Dr. Oz had a great idea. He said, put on gloves. And we all put on gloves. And um, he was showing us the heart. And he said, I think this is where, like, the soul resides, you know, in the, in the center of the heart. It was, you know, great. He was always a wonderful teacher. He, he's always been wonderful to me. So he handed the heart to the reporter. The reporter handed the heart to the Reiki master, and then they handed it to me, and it turned back to its normal color and started to beat. Now, they call it twitching in the article that they wrote about it, but it was fascinating to watch as I synchronized my body, the heart, because the heart pacemaker cells are designed to synchronize, they started to beat again. Yeah. So this is so the work that I do is to listen to where where somebody's life is out of sync. Another uh, funny story was um, some one of the groups that I work with worked with over the years is a training program for tier one military like the Navy SEALs. So many of the guys would um, you know have gone into the military and they've gone and become SEALs, et cetera, et cetera. So one time the uh, trainer and my daughter was watching. He, um, he had a bunch of them jump me, and they tried to take me down, and all I did was stay in the flow of synchronization. While I was in the flow of synchronization, I was realizing I'm probably going to get my back broken. I'd probably never be able to feed my family again. I'd be in the hospital. 
But in fact, I never did. I just kept staying in the flow of the energy, in the synchronization process. And they weren't able to take me down, and they still laugh laugh about it now. You had about six Marines or you know Navy SEAL guys trying to take me down, and they couldn't because I just stayed in sync. So all that background and everything I told you, what I do now is I simply listen to what's out of sync in somebody's life, whether it's an organization or whether, you know, a person in a way, we're all an organization, you know, um, how our bodies function Mm -hmm. and what you do, what my first, my bass teacher taught me. He said, you can't play a note, but I'm going to teach you what to practice, how to practice and give you a practice routine. And then when I looked at, uh, the Kung Fu teachers I work with, the um, Tai Chi, Qigong teacher, everybody that I worked with, they had their, they didn't know it. They couldn't articulate it. They couldn't tell you what to do with it. So, but they all had that. So the idea, and again, what I'm doing is I look at what's the criteria for what is somebody trying to achieve in their life? Is it a goal that trying you know what goal are they trying to achieve is it health you know is it sports and fitness so whatever it is you can see is it a physical thing that's out of sync is it a emotional thing that's out of sync what what is it inside of them that that they're looking for you know and that's basically what i do and um you know i have ceos work with me i have a i've worked with golfers who are 80 years old show them where the secret is is and then they play a team with 40 year olds mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mm. So did that answer your, your question about... And it raises a, a lot of other questions. Um, okay. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Juilliard. You mentioned uh, the Royal Academy of Music. Having almost been a music major in college and having had my parents discourage it and also having now built a career in the arts, I'm wondering... Based on that experience, what do you think it is that separates people who are successful with their careers in the arts from those who are not? <laughs> you really want me to answer that question? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all of my friends in the arts, and I don't care what art it is, um, but let's just talk about music first, and then we can talk about parenting as an art. We can talk about being a CEO as an art. Um, but if we're talking about the music as an art, they can't live without it. They can't wake up in the morning and they have to breathe music. Okay. Um, so that's that's what I've seen. And uh, there was a great cellist named Jano Starker. And that's what I, I never forget a lecture that he said, if you wake up in the morning and you can live without music, don't don't become a musician. You have to live and breathe, you know, in every pore of your body. Mm. So, again, that doesn't mean that they're the most successful, some of them, but those are the people that can't leave. Some of my friends who are top musicians in New York said, you got out, you know? Um, and for me, my bass teacher said, you'll never forget what I taught you. And, you know, and I won't, I just have to get my fingers moving again. Um, but the idea is it's really back to what's in your soul, you know, just never. And then, and like I said, it doesn't matter what your art is. We were taught you and I were talking about the musical arts because that's what we have in common. Um, but essentially whatever your art is, and it should be the same, you know, I see it all the time in, you know, in parents, their art is their children, uh -huh. you know, it's funny because I wake up and the first thing I do every morning is I write and it's almost pathological at this point. I can't not do it. Yes. Yes. You know where I've seen it? The, the one of the, one of the ways I just want to share with you, Serene, I've seen it in mothers whose children have Lyme's disease, you know, they come to me 
and they're just so desperate because you know they've tried every and you just listen to their stories and what they've done and what they've sacrificed you know for their child you know your child right now is is writing at the moment because then you can communicate to all of us you know what's in your heart you find different people to communicate in my and in my opinion to make the planet a better place so I just wanted to, you know, share that it's not just music. It's that, like you said, that pathological way that you have to wake up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so you talked about this whole idea of being out of sync and getting back in sync. So how do we figure out where we're out of sync? And maybe we could actually walk through an example of where I might be out of sync. Oh, that'd be fun. Um I have to let me tell you one other thing. A great book by Stephen Strogatz, who's a professor at Cornell University, called Sync. And basically, uh, they figured out um, biological mathematics that the body really wants to synchronize. So, um, you know, women who work together and they all laugh and go, yup, yup, that's what happens, is their menstrual cycles synchronize. Okay? So, um, you know, if you look at you know, the fireflies synchronizing. There are just so many examples. Even inanimate objects synchronize. So um, you should look. You can look it up on the web. There's a metronomes, and they take all the metronomes and they just whack them, right? And then within a couple of minutes, all the metronomes are back in sync. So to answer your question, I would love to do that, but we would. You know, you and I would have to talk not on the air right now right because uh, right. i'd like to get i need to get background mm-hmm. you know if we're seriously looking at what's in sync and what's out of sync you know i don't like to fool around i mean we would seriously do that and if you want to do that sometime happy to okay what can we do i mean what can people do in their lives to figure out where they might be out of sync um i'm just about to launch that information um but basically I think underneath it all, you kind of already do um, you recognize what's in sync and what's out of sync. In other words, you know, as one of your guests talked about, what's in flow? What's flowing in your life? Uh-huh. When something's flowing and it's easy and biological mathematics the equation is zero, when it's effortless, then um, you, you know, that's what's in sync. What's out of sync, and again, mainly the people that come to me are coming to me with a medical condition. And they're taking, you know, their supplements and their herbs and all those other, you know, wonderful things to support the body. What I'm looking at is what's out of sync in the body so that all those supplements and things can work. Okay. Hmm. So it is, we really have to look at, everybody should look at what am I doing? Just be honest with yourself. What am I practicing? You know, how am I practicing that? What's my practice routine? So for you, when I, I get up, I get up in the morning, I have to write, right? So you're, so the first thing you're doing is you're getting up in the morning and what are you practicing? You're practicing writing. How are you practicing it? You and I could go through, you know, what that looks like. Yeah. And then what's your routine? Well, I work on my, you know, sentence structure for 15 minutes and then I do this and I do that. Now somebody else gets up in the morning and um, doesn't do any of that. So what are they practicing? They're practicing not writing, right? They're practicing not how to practice. They're practicing not a routine. So you're practicing all the time. So if there's one tip to start out with, look at what you're doing. 
and, and laugh at yourself. Don't get serious. Don't put yourself down. Just go, well, let's look at Serena. He gets up in the morning and he's, it's like pathological. He's got to write. What a wonderful way to start the morning. Okay. And what's any, this is how he's practicing. He's got his routine. Somebody else is about the same amount of time is snoring or not doing anything with that same time. So we got to look at ourselves. They're practicing not doing anything while you're practicing doing something that is, you know, making the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And I would say, so that's the first step. Okay. What's the next one? Um, Next one for for me, um, in my opinion, is finding a teacher, finding somebody who will um, be honest with you. Right. What's hard nowadays, in my opinion, Serene, is that there are a lot of people out there that are professing to know things. Yes. Really look at their look at their backgrounds, look at their hearts, look at, you know, what did they do in in their lives and really take, um, you know, take a step back. Look at them. You say, you know what? That person's a really good writer, even if you don't know them. You know, drop them a line. Um, it's happened many times. My daughter, my older daughter, is really good at cold call emails, and people will say, "Sure, I'll have a conversation with you." So the idea is that that would, for my mind, would be the next step. Who inspires me? Who's you know, let's say, achieve the goals that I would like to achieve? And another thing, which you know, again, you're asking. These are only my opinions. Get to know the person. Some of the masters that I worked with were really good at what they did, but they dropped the rest of who they were as a human mm-hmm. uh, to achieve that goal, right? Yeah. So really look at them from, you know, and again, no judgment, just saying, God, I, I like what I hear from this person. I like this person's heart. I like the way that they're thinking. <clears throat> Maybe they would consider working with me. And um, approaching people from that way, I think you'll connect with the people you should connect with and somebody else will connect with the person they should connect with. So I, I like having somebody who's smarter than me, better than me, you know, teaching, uh-huh. learning, somebody to learn from. Yeah. It, it's interesting you brought up the, the idea that there are a lot of people who profess to know things. I think that that is a sort of the blessing and curse of uh, having technology that allows you to communicate with everybody and anybody with very few uh, barriers in the way. Well, let, let's um, – only because of Joseph Logan am I talking with you. Joseph is an incredible human being. I love Joseph. If you look, I've never done an interview before, Srini. And Joseph said to talk to you. The masters that I've worked with were always too busy trying to get better, whether it's Kung Fu, whether it's music. So be really careful and to, to, because they were too busy to market. They were too busy to talk about themselves. They were always trying to make themselves better in their craft. Okay, so, um, and like you said, the, so the, the media, the social media allows anybody to say, oh, I'm a master. And, um, you know, that's why I said, uh, the only reason I'm talking, you're my first coming in and starting to get people to realize when somebody says they're a master, really, really look. There was a great martial artist in um, New York City named Mr. Chan. And Mr. Chan always said to me, don't you ever call me master because master means you're dead. (laughs) So for him, while you're still a student, you know, while we're still alive, we're still students. Mm -hmm. Other people have a different tact. But just I'm just giving you one 
um, traditionalist. He, he's Master Chan now because he left the planet. But while we're still students, that was his way of looking at it. I don't remember where I wrote it, but I, I said somewhere that to be a eternal master, you have to be uh, no to to be a, a master, you have to be an eternal student. Yes, yes, those are the number ones. That's why they they don't have. Oftentimes, they don't have time to market and talk about themselves. Um, so we have to talk about the art. We have to talk about the the value of what you're bringing to the planet. What are you doing to make the you know the planet a better place? For me, it's synchronization. Finding out how I can help Serini to be better at being Serini if if I can, right? And be in service to that. Um, to my mind, that's what the masters do. They don't talk about how wonderful they are. Mm-hmm. So, so those are, you know, again, my opinions. Yeah. Uh, I want to spend a bit more time talking about this idea of energy, uh, mainly because it's one of those things that I was incredibly skeptical about until I myself started to see an energy healer and something that I had been mentally struggling with for the better part of three years finally stopped after the first session I did with her. And I was actually sold at that point on the, the power of, of the work that she did up until that point. I thought it was a lot of new age nonsense. And so I'm wondering one, how we get a sense for what our energy is doing, how we go about changing it, how we also gauge where other people's energy is at. Wow. Uh, I love the question. All right. <clears throat> so first of all, um, be really careful. I love being skeptical. Skeptical is very important to start out with because there are a lot of people out there, especially in the energy world, who are professing to know things that they just don't know. Um, fortunately, you know, like I just want to start. I always like to go to tradition of, you know, like in acupuncture, we had a, you know, you have to be board certified. You have to go through, you know, rigorous examination. Same thing in music, same thing in law, same thing in, in medicine, same thing in, you know, so many things. And then you can become an energy master in a couple of weekends without any of this, you know, rigorous training. So I will explain that first, but I want you to really, again, take a step back and ask people, find out who they are and see if they're really qualified to do the energy work. Now, I was, I'm probably the biggest skeptic myself, so that's why years ago I went to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. I had things measured. We did, you know, again, more EEGs. We saw people go into Delta. I favorite line that people always use with me um, – a great strength trainer named Charles Poliquin. Um, first thing he said to me is, your shit doesn't work. Didn't say hello, how are you, nice to meet you. He just said, your shit doesn't work. And he said, there's only one thing I will believe in, in this energy that you do, and it's the grip test, because you cannot improve somebody's grip, and you, know, you need time to do that. We got 20% in less than 10 minutes. So um, we then tried with NFL players. So, Back to so there's some hard things that you can do with energy, of just you know results, things that I did were strength training results with uh, professional athletes and things. Mm-hmm. Um, the subtle things of of energy is a very deep question. Let me try to explain it to you so that we have. So what I've done is I've created 
what to practice, how to practice, and a practice routine. The way you do it from a physical sense, there's a energy flows physically very specifically in the body. Um, I think the greatest proponents of that type of power energy is in uh, martial arts and fighting. The problem with that is that there's also a harshness to the energy that comes when you're when you're doing that. That's one of the funniest things, Serini, is um, that I found is that the fighters are the sweetest people. They're so nice and so soft because when you when you train in the fighting art, you realize how precious the human body is. So um, when we work with energy in in martial arts. It's one side of the coin. When we, when you have that knowledge, it goes back to you. You work very softly with people's energies um, once you have that knowledge of the fighting arts. Um, so it's really kind of, it's really kind of cool. The healer must know how to kill in the old days. Is what they said. Um, the quality of the energy is um, is developed through, as far as I'm concerned, through practice. So we can talk about the lung energy. Right. If somebody's always breathing shallow, then you can notice how the, the lung energy is weak. If they're breathing shallow, the lung energy also comes down to um, should be brought down to the kidneys, where the kidney energy actually pulls in um, that lung energy after you've kind of drawn in the breath. So somebody with back problems, um, might, it, it might be you know kidney deficiency from they're not breathing properly. So to define that, it would take us. I'd have to show you with charts and exercises. It's hard to put it into words. Mm-hmm. A perfect, you know, a perfect example is you and I can talk all day about playing. What was your instrument? The tuba. The tuba, right? So we talk all day about playing the tuba, but we can read every book on playing the tuba. We can philosophize about the tuba, but it's like, but shut up and play the tuba, and then we can start to correct it, yeah. right? So the idea is I can talk about all these energies, but that's all theory. Right. What it really is is have a lesson, have a tuba lesson, or have a lesson in energy and know what what am I trying to achieve with the energy? Am I trying to run faster, jump higher? Am I trying to be more effective in my communication with my employees? Am I dealing with Lyme's disease? You know, then you have a framework in which what energy isn't working properly and then how to address that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry I didn't – I may not have addressed the question the way that <laughs> you want to, but I can't until I watch you – until I hear you play the tuba, right. I can't – that you're standing on your head. Yeah. And it's, it just – it can't be done that way. So, again, my opinion. No, no worries. Um, what – are the what changes do people see uh, in the results in their lives? I think there are two areas that are of particular interest to me. Uh, one is, is career achievement and uh, money, and what impact energy has on that. Because I can't tell you the number of, of books that I've read on the subject of money that often talk about money as energy, and I'm wondering what impact energy has on those two areas of our lives. Um, again, I can only talk from, from my eyes, um, back to my skepticalness, some people, um, that, so I see that as marketing sometimes. Um, so we have to be really, but if you, if you buy my book about how energy impacts money, then I'm making money, right? 
So we have to be – this is really careful territory for me. Um, so let's talk about it. If your energy is flowing properly and you're doing things which are creating good energy, I think you're going to attract um, more money. You're going to – you know, if you're dealing with a medical condition, it's drawing you down. If you correct your energy and your body is doing better, you can be more a clearer thinker. You can spend more time at what people would call work, but whatever, if you're doing what you enjoy, we're going to call playtime. So whatever you're doing, if your energy is powerful, is free flowing, if your soul is, is in alignment with what you're doing, that's effortless power. That's energy that's happening all the time. So, of course, that's going to translate into dollars. But the dollars are only a byproduct of you being fully who you are on the planet. So I guess what I was trying to say before is don't chase the dollars for energy. Be who you are as a human being. Be the best energy you can be. And the dollars you know, will automatically align with that. And I think in some of the books, I think that's kind of what they were saying. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, this has been really fascinating. So I have two final questions for you. And this is one that I have been asking out of morbid curiosity because I recently wrote a piece on Medium that is, to this date, the most popular thing I've ever written titled, What We Should Have Learned in School But Never Did. And I'm wondering what you think we should have learned in school but never did. <laughs> um, can I start with a commercial? Yeah. Okay. Um, the reason I met Joseph Logan was because of my older daughter, and that's her business. Um, the things that she's bringing to the educational system um, is basic is the answer to your question. <laughs> Okay, so she, what she's bringing is I'm going to say the emotional intelligence and the way to really start to deal with the soul of children in school. And she's giving those tools to the teachers. So that's my daughter, Tessa Zimmerman. Hmm. And she was the one who connected Joseph and myself. So what I'm, what, if there's anything, um, I think she's on it. But uh, basically... Um, what was missing was the empathy, and I think the teachers really wanted to give it, but they weren't given the tools, and they weren't given the, for lack of a better term, the technology, the, the education. And I think what, what was missing and what is coming about, really, is that heart-to-heart um, -heart connection between the teachers and the students. Um, and that was the best thing that I saw happen for both of my daughters when they went to a school that the teachers were um, allowed to be heartfelt. Like a perfect example is when they were in the public school where we are, you're not allowed to touch anybody. You're not allowed to hug anybody. That's just, you know, that was taboo. You get trouble for that. The school they ended up going to, the owner of the school is like, you have to hug. We all have, to, you know. So you walk in the school and the, you know, the the principal, the owner, comes right up to you and gives you a big hug. That kind of communication is vital to human beings caring for each other. 
So that aspect of education, I think, is what's needed. Hmm. Amazing. So I have one last question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? What is it that makes somebody unmistakable? Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think somebody who's living, who can look themselves in the mirror and is living in alignment with their soul, you know, is saying they get up in the morning. Like I'll give an example, I, even though I don't know him very well, Serini, who gets up in the, in the morning and is has to write, right? is pathological about it. He's living his soul. Then he takes that out to the world and he says, I have to find people to, to share the messages of certain people. So to my mind, if you know, um, that's what makes people who they are, right? Unmistakable hmm. being, you know, being who you are, despite the fact that you played the tuba, that's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, so that's really what is, you know, living who you are, sharing that to make the planet a better place. Yeah. That's unmistakable. Amazing. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your work? Um, as I talked about masters before, I'm, I'm just going to be I'm going to be coming out shortly. But there's Jeffrey C. Zimmerman dot com. Um, but I'm about to take this whole knowledge of synchronization which i've done in you know in various um expressions of it uh like with the seal candidates um it'll be coming out soon but right now you can find me at jeffreycsimmerman.com c as in charlie Mm. awesome and for everybody listening we will wrap the show with that cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.